Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. An eye-opening investigation into a renowned rehab facility. It's like lighting up in a cancer ward. I'm Harrison Patino. Maureen Cavanaugh and Jade Heinemann have the day off. This is KPBS Midday Edition. In our weekend preview, we have classical music, punk rock, and lots of visual art. I talk about immigration, I talk about land, I talk about uh, who belongs, and and also uh, the identity of of being a Native person through these brand prints. That's ahead on Midday Edition. First, the news. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. An iNews source investigation has found that a renowned rehab center in San Diego is facing widespread drug use on the campus, and conditions there have become dangerous. iNews investigative reporter Jill Castellano has the details. Veterans Village of San Diego started 40 years ago with former Marine Corps Lieutenant Jack Lyon. I mean, the way I dealt with the war was to push it back with drugs and alcohol. After Lyon recovered from his addiction, he and four other Vietnam veterans created a safe space to discuss war, trauma, and substance use, which eventually became Veterans Village. In 1990, the nonprofit built a rehab center on Pacific Highway that remains there today. Former resident Heather Miller said her life completely changed when she came to the campus. I was not uh, ready to be sober. I didn't know how to be sober. Uh, I had lost so much that I just didn't know even where to start, you know. Miller enrolled at the rehab center through Veterans Treatment Court, a program to help veterans in the justice system. She graduated from the court in January. Granting your age motion, I'd ask everybody to please join me. I follow the rules now. (laughs) One of Miller's mentors at Veterans Village, Marilyn Cornell, said seeing success stories like that is why she came to work every day. And being able to see miracles happen every single day. 
watching people reclaim their lives with dignity and respect. But Cornell, the former clinical director of Veterans Village, said the rehab center has changed dramatically over the past few years as new leadership has pushed hard to fill beds. That's led to a major decline in the quality of treatment. There was a, a, a sense of gloom and doom, and morale was terrible. Source has spoken with 44 people who have lived or worked at Veterans Village. One of their biggest concerns is a growing presence of drugs on the campus. They say employees are too busy to closely monitor the residents, which has made the environment unsafe. Here's Cornell again. You're not allowed to have it in the treatment center. You're not allowed to have drug sales going on in the treatment center. It's like lighting up in a cancer ward. Veterans Village leadership said drug use is not allowed inside the treatment center. The campus is carefully monitored, and veterans are getting high-quality care. Akila Templeton, the CEO, said she cares deeply about serving the veteran community. And we want to do our part to um, end veteran homelessness. Some people might mistake that as you know, the organization being more concerned about filling beds. We are not concerned about filling beds. We're concerned about saving lives. In late April, a resident at Veterans Village died of a suspected fentanyl overdose, and the DEA launched an investigation. Days later, the county probation department suddenly pulled eight people out of the rehab center because, quote, we believed it was in the client's best interest. Do people on campus think campus is safe? No, absolutely not. That's Victoria Cloyes, who's living at Veterans Village now. Her fellow resident, former Navy SEAL Nathaniel Roberti, overdosed at the treatment center in April. Roberti was on probation at the time, and now there's a warrant out for his arrest. So here's a guy trying to save his life, having to get exposed to a substance that now puts his own life at risk and may have to suffer legal consequences because VVSD couldn't clear campus of drugs. Cloya says she has other concerns, too, about the quality of food and sanitation in the treatment center. She even filed a complaint with a state health agency. The biggest thing is how do we preserve this place? How do we save it? Because it is kind of a special place. And um, the men that establish it are what we all call mavericks. Those who spoke with iNewsource said they want Veterans Village to succeed, and they hope leadership will listen to their concerns. Joining me now is iNewsource investigative reporter Jill Castellano. Jill, welcome. Thank you. Veterans Village has a national reputation for its work. Its model has even been replicated. Can you remind us about the organization's work? Oh, absolutely. I mean, people love Veterans Village. It does all sorts of work for veterans. It also founded Stand Down, which is a three-day event that happens every year, and it's been replicated in literally hundreds of cities and praised by presidents of the United States. It helps connect homeless veterans with services. Um, Veterans Village offers addiction treatment, employment, housing, all sorts of sorts of services, and it's it's really a beloved organization. So, who are the people getting treatment at Veterans Village, and what does this treatment entail? Yeah, so the treatment center is located on this campus off of Pacific Highway in the Mission Hills area, and that is for people with drug and alcohol addiction. And the people who come there, they basically leave their lives behind. They come to this residential facility basically full time, and they're working through their addiction and trying to get to the point where they can have these coping mechanisms and these skills that help them 
commit to their recovery, um, commit to their sobriety and stay away from, you know, drugs and alcohol and avoid relapse. Historically, it's been all veterans, but starting in 2018, they opened up the campus to non-veterans and non-veterans have been a growing part of the population there. And that's among the concerns that have been described to me is this kind of drifting of the mission away from it being a veterans focused facility and to being a more general facility for the public. Will you describe what you learned about the conditions and widespread drug use within the rehab center? Yeah, I spoke with a lot of residents and staff members, and they were pretty consistent in describing drug use happening regularly on the campus, which is new. It didn't used to be that way. Uh, Some of the residents said it was really difficult for them to maintain their sobriety in those conditions, that they were triggering situations for them. I talked to one resident who said he actually relapsed on heroin because his roommate snuck out in the middle of the night and brought it back onto the campus and was using it in his room. So the conditions were described as unfortunately pretty dangerous for the residents. The county probation department removed eight residents from Veterans Village in May after someone died. What more can you tell us about what led to that decision? Yeah, the probation department said that they did that because they believed it was in the client's best interest, and they did not clarify what exactly they meant by that. But I can say that there were a a number of things that happened in the weeks leading up to that decision, including just days before they did that. There was a suspected fentanyl overdose death that happened on the campus. There were other overdoses happening at the campus's address just around the same time. And the probation department, in addition to removing those eight residents, actually cut off referrals, which is something that I'm not familiar with and nobody that I've spoken with had seen happen before, actually you know, stopping sending people to the facility altogether, uh, that situation is still under review, I believe. Well, Veterans Village has rules against drugs and alcohol in the facility. So how are drugs getting in past facility staff? You know, it's not totally clear. I've heard a few different explanations, but I think one of the one of the big things that's happened is there's this staffing shortage. So essentially, there's not enough people to monitor the campus and to make sure that they can keep the environment free from drugs and alcohol. So one way or another, they managed to make, you know, get drugs onto the campus and use drugs without getting caught on some occasions. You say that conditions have deteriorated over the last few years. Is there a sense of why this is happening now? I don't think there's a clear sense of why or one reason why this is happening now. I think there's been a lot of changes over the past few years at Veterans Village. And I don't think everybody would look at all those changes as necessarily negatives. You know, I think the leadership of Veterans Village is very proud that they've enrolled people who have been historically excluded from services, people who, let's say, have greater physical or mental health needs. And that could be a really positive thing. But there's been a lot of other changes, too, like a push to enroll more people relative to the number of staff on the campus and that growing pressure to increase enrollment at the same time that the staffing is low uh, and the staffing shortage continued to develop, I think, has created a lot of tension on the campus and is one of those driving factors that led to what we're seeing now. So is Veterans Village subject to any government oversight that could step in to investigate what's happening at the facility? Veterans Village does get a license from the state to run its uh, drug and alcohol rehab facility, and it is a requirement of the state that they keep the environment free from drugs and alcohol. I know there are six open complaints with the state 
regarding Veterans Village right now, and I don't have any details, but theoretically, if a Veterans Village was considered out of compliance to a large degree, um, there could be action taken against, uh, you know, by the State Department of Healthcare Services. And what's been the response from Veterans Village leadership about reports of widespread drug abuse within its facility? When I talked to Veterans Village leadership before the story published, they were very adamant that the campus is safe. They said, you know, there may be occasional drug use on the campus. We can't be perfect, but it is taken care of when it arises. I've been speaking with iNews Source investigative reporter Jill Castellano. Jill, thank you. Thanks so much. To read iNews Source's full investigation, go to iNewsSource.org. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Harrison Patino, in for Maureen Cavanaugh with Jade Heinemann. In our weekend arts preview, we have plenty of visual art, outdoor classical music, and some all-ages punk rock. Joining me with all the details is KPBS arts producer and editor, Julia Dixon-Evans. Welcome, Julia. Hi, Harrison. Thanks for having me. Of course. The Mainly Mozart All-Star Orchestra Festival kicks off tonight. Tell us about Mainly Mozart and this festival. Right. So Mainly Mozart, they hold the distinction of being one of the first, if not the first major arts group in the entire country to perform live music for an in-person audience during the pandemic. They held these really popular drive-in performances at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. This was in July of 2020. And last summer, they adapted it to being picnic-style pod seating. They're continuing that with this summer's outdoor all-star festival that's held at the Surf Cup Sports Park in Del Mar. So there are two concerts this weekend, and this is an orchestra full of principal musicians from orchestras around the country. And tonight at 7.30 is opening night. They're going to be playing Mozart's clarinet concerto, Beethoven's Symphony No. 4 as well. And then on Saturday, they will play Beethoven's Grosse Fuga, which is arranged for a string orchestra from the original quartet, and also Mozart's Piano Concerto, number 27, and Mozart's Jupiter Symphony, number 41. The concerts continue on Tuesday and next weekend. They'll close things off on June 18th with Mozart's Requiem. The seating for this, the Section A pods are all sold out already, but for Section B, for $60 for a pod of four tickets, that's still a relatively affordable way. You'll get this nice sunset picnic and then world-class live music floating overhead. And Section B is first come, first serve, so general admission, and you bring your own blankets or your chairs. And last week, a new exhibition opened at the La Jolla Historical Society called Voices from the Res. What can you tell us? 
So this is a group exhibition of contemporary art by 10 Southern California Native American artists. And there's a wide variety of works here, painting, sculpture, fashion, performance art even, um, music, and some writing. The artists were asked to write their own wall descriptions for the exhibition. In one of the pieces, this is by blues musician Tracy Lee Nelson. He took a bunch of guitar strings that he had saved from performances that were really significant to him. He played in a Super Bowl performance once. And then he fashioned them into the traditional kumiai-style woven basket. One of the other artists in the show is Gerald Clark, who has paintings, sculptures, and then a series of branded prints. They're, they're made from these sculptural branding irons that he created with words like immigrant, native, and amnesia on them. And Clark said the series is all inspired by the last few years in America. You know, you can see how the paper is charred, and it's kind of a violent process. And I started doing that around 2016 because I saw in American society more and more violence and anger. You know, I I talk about immigration, I talk about land, I talk about uh, who belongs, and and also, uh, you know, the identity of, of being a Native person through these brand prints. So this exhibition will be on view through September 4th at the La Jolla Historical Society. And so another visual art exhibition is Echoes of Africa, which is on view at the Central Library's Art Gallery. Uh, What can we expect there? So this one opened last weekend, and it features the work of five regional Black artists, Andrea Chung, Angie Jennings, Christopher Lloyd Tucker, Max Moses, and Jermaine Adeshola Williams. And their work is set alongside and in conversation with a collection of African artifacts. This is from the Mesa College World Cultures Collection. This is all curated by Dr. Denise Rogers. The artists in this exhibition are really incredible. You can also see Andrea Chung's work in the permanent collection of the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego in their new La Jolla campus. It's on view right now. And this exhibition, Echoes of Africa, will be on view through August 20th. And the gallery has slightly different hours from the main library, but this weekend it's open noon to five today and tomorrow. And I know you have some outdoor art recommendations as well. Yes, we have a few new park social installations or activations that are opening up this weekend. Uh, This is the City of San Diego's new public art in public parks initiative. I'll tell you about one of them. This is artist Keenan Hartston's Honeycomb Harmonies. And I love this because it's kind of a part of the county where we don't get a ton of arts events. This is at Scripps Ranch Community Park. This is a big playground that he has set up within a honeycomb shape with these interactive sculptures. There's chalk to draw with, uh, community sourced writings, and then these huge handmade painted xylophones and percussion instruments. This will all be set up to play with in any way from 2 to 6 p.m. on Saturday. And through the rest of the summer, this exhibition will float around various other parks in Scripps Ranch. And finally, some rock music in an all-ages venue. Tell us about the show on your radar at Public Square in La Mesa. So, yeah, this is a show of two local bands and two touring bands. Um, I've had these locals on my radar for a while now. They're both young bands, the Inflorescence and Rain on Fridays. They'll be playing with Cosmic Kitten and then Sunday Cruise, who are touring in support of their new album, I Should Have Stayed Home, which is excellent and also an excellent title. The show's Saturday. The doors open at 6 and the show kicks off at 8 o'clock. 
the Inflorescences brand new album, Remember What I Look Like, that just came out today on the Kill Rockstars label. So this will kind of be an album release celebration for them. I'll leave you with Board Game, which is the album's closing ballad. And the Inflorescence will also be playing a free show at Vinyl Junkies Record Shop earlier in the afternoon tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Find the details of these and more arts events at kpbs.org arts. And be sure to sign up for Julia's weekly KPBS Arts newsletter. I've been speaking with KPBS Arts producer and editor Julia Dixon-Evans. Thanks, Julia. Thank you, Harrison. Have a good weekend. You too. I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. 
we invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.